welcome to the Linklater's ESG Summer School 2022. I'm Vadana Bilal, an associate in our ESG team, and I'm joined today by James Marlowe, one of our managing associates. And we're going to talk about due diligence in the context of human rights disclosures and the link between the two. So, James, to start off with, what does due diligence actually mean in this context? Thanks, Vadana. So, when people talk about due diligence, I think they often just think about fact finding. But in this context, as is clear from instruments like the UN Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights and the recent Corporate Sustainability Due Diligence Proposal from the EU, due diligence is actually an end-to-end -end process. It starts with having policies and processes in place. Then it goes to using those policies and processes to identify impacts and issues. And then you go on to take steps to manage the impacts you've identified, which may include remedy, and then you're also expected on an ongoing basis to monitor the effectiveness of your actions and also then report on everything you're doing. So that ties into my next question, which is how is due diligence in this context linked to disclosures? Yeah, so the full concept of due diligence, as I've just outlined it, includes reporting. But also the focus of the disclosure regimes in this space. So think of the Modern Slavery Act, uh, and as I've already mentioned, the EU's proposal on corporate sustainability due diligence, they, the focus of their disclosure is around what policies and processes you have in place to identify and manage your human rights risks. So it may sound very simple, but the link is then that you need your due diligence policies and processes in order to be able to make your disclosures. You could, of course, say that you don't take any steps, but that would be obviously fairly reputationally damaging. And even where you might view yourself as low risk from a human rights perspective, that is going to be predicated on a risk assessment that you've undertaken, and you're going to want to document that both internally and externally. Beyond all of this, a core part of due diligence is also about surfacing potential or actual issues, which you need to do, even if you don't identify any, in order to be able to make your disclosures. Um, so picking up on that second point, you and Sarah mentioned in the previous podcast in the series on human rights disclosures that the FRC has criticized disclosures on modern slavery for being too vague and not sufficiently conveying impact on the ground. Can you talk a little bit about how carrying out due diligence may address this criticism? Yeah, and this is a key point. I think disclosures often talk a lot about what is in place in the abstract without necessarily conveying to stakeholders how they work in practice and how effective the policies they've implemented and the measures they've taken are. So as Sarah and I discussed, we think that case studies are a great way of doing this. But in order to be in a position to be able to do that, you need to have done your diligence to have surfaced, managed, and as far as possible, resolved the issue. I should say that doesn't mean you need to disclose in detail any and all incidents, but being able to set out how your policies and processes work in practice is helpful, particularly at a time when there is increased focus on greenwashing, or in this case, blue social or fairwashing. There are also just two other points I'd like to make about the link between disclosure and human rights due diligence. So first, as mentioned, your disclosures will cover your policies and processes. This will include disclosure about what external reporting or escalation process you have in place, whether that is a complaints mailbox or some kind of speak up hotline. Grievance mechanisms like that are an important part of your due diligence framework and in helping you surface issues and then be able to deal with them before they end up, for instance, as some big class action. So making sure that you have good disclosures like those on your website will be key in raising awareness of the processes you have in place 
and enabling them to work effectively for you. The second and final point is that part of due diligence is, as I mentioned, remedy. Now I'll say that and immediately people will think about financial compensation, but actually the UN guiding principles set out how remedy can entail much more than this. And in practice, we've seen cases where yes, financial compensation was absolutely sought, but also those affected stakeholders really wanted an apology, an acknowledgement of responsibility, and a promise that the company would do better in future. This was in part given to them through the disclosures that were made by the company around the issue. As I say, not only in company filings like annual reports, but also on their website and importantly in local communications as well. Which brings to an end our, our discussion on human rights disclosures and uh, the link with due diligence in this space. Um, I think that also brings to an end the podcasts uh, on human rights. But of course, if anyone listening has any questions uh, that they'd like us to consider and discuss further, well, I'm sure we'd be very happy to receive them. Uh, and I look forward to perhaps talking to you again, Vedana, in the future on another podcast.